This is the Joe Swanson Propaganda Podcast. The podcast is brought to you by Kingpin Tattoo Supply. Kingpin can be found online at kingpintattoosupply.com. They're on Instagram at Kingpin Tattoo Supply. I think they can be found on Twitter these days at simply Kingpin Supply. Special thanks go out to Hustle Butter Deluxe and Waterloo Tattoo Workstations um, for their support uh, for me and the show. Um, my guest today is a four-time vet of the show, a bad motherfucker that always has something to say, uh, <laughs> hailing out of St. Louis, Missouri, Matt Hodell, man. What the fuck is Woo! up? Not dude, a lot, dude. Just in the, in the grips of travel season and balancing everything that goes along with that. Um, I just got back from Europe. That was, uh, a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, off to New York in two weeks, and then I got a couple more things, and I had to lay out the calendar with my wife and actually mark a couple of months off where I'm going to make myself stay home. Um, it seems like a lot, but it all it all really dovetails together. Like, when I go to New York to work, it's on my days off here, so I'm not ruining my workload. And, you know, when I take a longer trip, like when I went to Europe, what ends up happening is I end up doubling my workload um, um, on my appointment days, so... I still do the same amount of work here. It's just now, you know, I don't know. I, I got that travel bug again. We talked about it last time, I think, and I just enjoy it. You know, I enjoy not being in my my bubble, so to speak. Yeah, you know? I got that. I got that bug too, man. I'm I'm hoping to do some more more travel. Where did you go in Europe? Uh, so um, I went to a town called Badischl, Austria. It's in between Salzburg and Vienna, and my friend Max has a shop there called Tattoos to the Max. And I actually met him almost 15 years ago when I was traveling over there um, through a mutual friend named Sean. Um, and I started going over there a lot and working with him. And I'd actually gotten to the point um, maybe 12 years ago where I was going to stay and just say, fuck the States. You know, um, the money was better over there. 9-11 had just happened here. Shit was falling apart, you know. And um, I was like, well, I can actually keep up the standard of living that I want over there. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful, clean air. Uh, I was busy and I came home and, um, ended up having my first daughter on kind of a, uh, um, a trip that was supposed to be where I was coming home from Europe and selling a car, then going right back. But what happened was I hung out with the old girlfriend and she got pregnant. And then my first daughter came along and so, you know, I put my life on hold for a long time, raising families and getting married and buying a house and blah, blah, blah. And so now it's just time, you know, my kids are older and they're not so, um, they're more independent. And um, now it's time to start that connection again. So th this trip was really to re reconnect with Max, who's been a, a good friend of mine throughout all this, um, even though we haven't got to see each other. And um just start that connection again um, where, you know, the family's going to Europe for, you know, maybe one to three months a year together so my kids can have that experience. So that's really what I'm working on is that and everyone's excited. My wife got to go. We left the kids at home. It was just me and my wife. We got an apartment. It was a lot of fun. Nice. That's uh, you've been you've done that all over. I mean, you've done that in Japan and we've talked about it here before and shit like that. What's the best thing about going over there? to a new place and pretty much setting up shop living in that environment? Uh, you know, I, I asked myself that a lot while I was over there. Like what I could, I, I don't know if I've quite put my finger on it. It could be one of those things where 
once you're there for a while and you become a little more fluent in German, um, then maybe some of the magic is gone. But for me, like the difference when I'm over there and I'm relaxed, the air is clean, you're up in the mountains. Um, every 10 kilometers to 15 kilometers is a whole new city with a whole new kind of like way of doing things. Um, the dialect is different and how they, how they carry themselves. So that's fun. It's new. Everything. There's an overall feeling of relaxation when I'm there. Um, there's no pressing matters. You know, the, the, the stores, they close from like two o'clock to four o'clock. So people can have a break. There's not this like money, 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 get, 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 go, go, go feeling. When I come home, I guess the first thing I notice is, is and this is just be my viewpoint, you know, first thing I notice when I get back to the States is most people, um, they bond over complaining. So their small talk is all about how something sucks, you know, like waiting in line or um, how much something costs or uh, can't believe someone did this to me. Like things are just totally predictable and things that you really shouldn't um, take up that much of your time. They're just, that's like how they bond in the States. Um, And maybe just because uh, the St. Louis area, I don't know, but maybe just because it's what I, what, what that thing that's gotten under my skin, it's, you know, so it might not even be that bad, but to me that there's none of that over there for me. And, um, I don't know, man, it's just, it's just, it feels relaxing. The customers are just so chill. Um, I have a, I have a way of speaking here with my clients to explain to them, um, why something might be more successful. And sometimes it takes a little while dude over there. They'll like bring something in and they know it's a starter, just a beginning of an idea. And I'll be like, yeah, one minute. And I come back out and the drawing might be like 90% different, but the same idea, just the drawing's different. And they're like, yeah, cool. So it always feels like over there, the client is more about the idea and less about the exact image, you know, Um, which that's totally up my alley. So that's even, that's even a lot of fun. I don't know if I answered your question, but. Yeah, absolutely. Is the internet impacted clients over there like it has here? Yeah. You know, um, so let's make it relative. Uh, Back in the late 90s and early 2000s when I was going to Europe a lot, um, their idea of what was, we'll just call it like safe, like entry-level tattoos. Mm -hmm. People are getting tattooed for the first time. They don't get something too crazy. They need something that's safe, something that their friends and their family aren't going to shun them for. It was definitely different than what was going on in the States. Over there at the time, it was like small tribals with um, jewels in it and um, weird fairy shit, I remember, and wizards and stuff. But at the time in the States, it was, I think, more cartoon characters and uh, Chinese characters. Anyway, so there was a difference, same idea. Now that the Internet has brought everyone together, I think you can really see the designs that chase their own tail, um, so to speak. Um, you know, what, what's happening in the States is definitely happening over there. The same type of, um, what is entry level and what is acceptable. And, you know, it's, it's, I don't know how to put it in words, but it's definitely broadened worldwide. It's no longer so regional, more or less like everyone who's in entry level tattooing that Pinterest is everywhere, you know? So they're all into little birds and little, uh, infinity symbols and whatever, you know? So you th- the, the same shit that we do over here in walk-in shops every day or people that come in is the same shit that they're getting over there. It's like kind of like, yeah, a- sure. Um, yeah, it, it was the same. 
the, the guys, younger guys who hadn't built up a clientele yet and who were still kind of grinding, they had the same, mm-hmm. like, wow, if I do another infinity symbol, I'm going <laughs> to blow my fucking head off. And I, I think that's common everywhere. And it, it just goes to show the dynamics of how the rules of tattooing is, has changed a little bit because um, I think at one point in time, you could make a whole career out of doing banging out um, flash. Now you can't call the walk-in the same type of walk-in from 1970 to now because in 1970, you had control over what you were going to bang out. If it wasn't on the wall, you probably weren't going to do it. you know. But now like uh, you're going to get a billion people wanting the infinity symbol. and uh, A billion different ways. Yeah, and you're, you know, I think, so what I'm saying is, um, I think the the life of how long that's, the, the, the shelf life of how long, how long that's going to make you go fucking crazy, where you go, you know what, if this is tattooing, I fucking quit, you know, I could do something else besides draw fucking infinity symbols. There's going to be a type of person who says, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to say no today, and I'm going to really ask them why they're getting tattooed. And you're going to get past the image and get more towards the reasoning. And, you know, and that, that's when you start building clients and stuff, you know, and you get away from just, um, um, I kind of, I kind of joke around and call it processing fish. You know, you have a street shop, they throw a lot of advertisement out there. They're always in competition with everyone else. And they try to get the biggest net and swoop in all the fish. And then once you swoop in all the fish, you need some young guys to process all of them. That's good. But after a while, you know, there's going to be guys that after five or six years of that, they're going to go, you know what, man, I'm I'm not bad. I've done okay, and I'm ready to do something different. So, I think, know, the, I think the Internet also allows people, with the connectivity that it brings, I think it also allows people to kind of not necessarily uh, niche themselves. Well, I guess niche themselves into a style. You know, they can – guys can come out having tattooed never really in a work like a walk-in style environment where they're banging out, you know, this paragraph with these two flowers that are, you know, represent these two things. And, you know, can you also throw in this, you know, date or this other symbol in the middle of it? And they've been, because the exposure to the internet, they've been able to like paint a bunch of cool shit and get people stoked on them because of the cool shit that they're painting. And it's in a style that they like. And because they're connected with their friends and their friends want to, you know, get that kind of work, they're going to be busy doing that. It's different today, man. I think totally different. I mean, as far as you, like you talked about, you don't really have the same, even the walk-in shop is different. Yeah, it's totally is. I, and it's so funny because I think me and you were, you know, we've had enough conversations that we're on the same, we're, you were in quote unquote the same graduating class of tattooing where you had to be able to do whatever walked in the door. And I think what I heard of what you just said was basically you don't have to be able to do whatever walks in the door because you could have five guys in that shop and you'll just go, you know what, Biomech dude, that's Bob. Have Bob do your Biomech because I'm really doing the gray, black and gray. Um, it's It's that weird thing of like, Someone else had said something before, like, you know, asshole tattoo artists will have asshole clients. So in my mind, it boggles it boggles me that someone could be such a jerk and so um, incompetent and lack of integrity and they still make a career. Well, the people they attract, you know, are they're still going to have that niche. And the funny thing is, is that like when you say like, oh, there's too many tattoo artists. It's like, well, actually, that guy's helping me. 
because he has now taken away all the people I never want to deal with um, because they're just like him. So that's the new, that's also in like a, to put a spin on it. It's a kind of a, a new way of thinking, you know, everything's getting shaken up. I, I am, um, I'm reading, I, I'm, I'm in love with Pixar, the whole concept of how Pixar's put together, um, how it came to be and uh, the thoughts behind it, you know, and I, I try to incorporate a lot of that into, into how I run my shop. One of the biggest things I remember from what they talk about is, sharing time and space and that's going to help create an autonomous um crew and so you know it keeps monday crew from yelling at tuesday crew because everyone's working on monday and tuesday you know closing on sunday that way the actual rooms of the shop can rest you know you're not constantly giving the toilet a work over you know um but uh the other thing too is what they were doing in the beginning was so freaking weird to everyone you know they were like shopping this computer animation to Hollywood in the seventies. And everyone's like, what the hell are you talking about? We would rather do everything this way and leave us alone. And to them, they were just like, there's, that doesn't have to be like that. And it wasn't until Steven Spielberg did star Trek that there was someone who was like forward thinking and ready to change. Um, that's how I think the, the saltwater is meeting the freshwater with our industry. There's going to be people who don't want to, recognize that the rules have changed like i said the walk-ins and everything there's going to be a people that are like they they might not accept it but they're going to roll with it and there's other people that are going to be like okay cool the rules have changed how do i fit into this um there's one thing that i thought was really neat he was talking about a boardroom you know like what our back room would be at the shop where people got together for meetings and they talked and he was talking about you know for the longest time they had this long table and it was hard to hear each other. So the more important people sat in the middle, the less important people sat towards the end. And the third tier was people who didn't even sit at the table. And it created a hierarchy where people couldn't even like voice their own opinion because they felt the hierarchy. Now, people at the center of a table, of course, they didn't feel it because they were on top. Those were the founders, you know, Steve Jobs and them. Um, but then it got to the point where they had to put little name tags out to make sure that during that meeting, these people could hear each other. The name tags are another part of it. Um, and then so the important part is to remember these name tags. So one day they say, you know, this is bullshit. We haven't created a room that is a level playing field. We've created a hierarchy within this business that's supposed to be creative. So it says get rid of this damn table. And they bring in a different table. It's more square shape. It's more equal. But what they did was the, the guy comes into work and there's still the cards. The cards were such a tradition that even though they changed the table, they kept the hierarchy of the cards. And he goes, what the hell? So this, this defeats the purpose. And I think that little idea there is a lot of what happens in tattooing where we change things, but we keep some of the traditions and don't realize that they're, they're not as important anymore under this new, new structure, you know? Um, and we like to complain about who's working, you know, so close to us and how many tattooers there are. That is an old tradition where it's, it's based a lot on fear. Um, but the reality is, is there's so many people getting tattooed that if you're competent, you're a nice guy. We both know this. You don't really have you really don't have much to worry about. It's the people that are jackasses and, and scared of where they're going to get their next dollar and they can only tattoo simple designs. Those are the ones that are just like, fuck, there's too many people, you know. Yeah. Um, so anyway, those are just some of the thoughts that I that I had about about that. You look into, you're always looking for new shit, huh? Always, because there's so many parallels. Um, every, every industry that's creative 
and and has a lot to do with the the individual having a personality or a voice. Um, there's so many parallels to that. Um, any industry that you can, um, like you were talking about before, this guy does this style. Um, any industry that can have a um, uh, the word is uh, not specific. It's kind of like specific. Um, they can. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Joe? Where you do a specific design. Um, I, don't know. I, I can't think of the word right now, but like, like a lawyer, lawyers can be junk lawyers and they can do everything. Or a lawyer could be, um, uh, I only do murder trials. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. The guy who decides one day that he's only going to do murder trials, he has given himself a lot more responsibility, um, by going down that path, by specifying what actual area he's going to be in. He's going to put a little more work in, but his rewards are much higher. And I think that, like, by looking into parallels of, like, of situations like that, photographers are the same way. You're going to be a junk photographer. And the only reason I use junk photographer is that it's a term from fishing. A junk fisherman is someone who doesn't really know what lure to use, so he uses all of them. Uh, the, the bass fisherman only – he's not – he doesn't have shitty fucking uh, – uh, uh, hot dogs in his in, in his tackle box to catch catfish. You know he's he's a bass fisherman. So when I say junk, it's not a derogatory. It just means that you're out you're you're throwing shots everywhere because you don't know where it's going to land. So, but I think that's that's definitely something I've, I've set my sights on. And if I was going to say I specify in one area, it's not that my tattoo style is. It's just that um, I want a client that is understands the commitment that I'm putting in. So we're going to go down this path together. And when you identify what type of client that's going to be, then you um, – uh, and, and you both are on the same page with, with following through with this big piece. Um, and then, the, of course, the financial commitment that goes along with doing larger stuff. Um, then those people – the side effect is those people get rad shit, you know? People like that, you know, where if you're still, you know, going, I don't give a shit, whoever walks in the door – you're doing a name for 40 bucks one day and then the next day you're outlining a whole arm and then you never see the fucking guy again. You know, I mean, that's counterproductive when you think about it because it took, let's say it took you 10 hours to draw an arm, took you two hours to outline it. You charge for two hours, but you got 12 hours of work into it. <laughs> After a while, you're going, fuck, this ain't adding up. But if you just said, you know what? I don't want to do arms. I want to do these two hour tattoos. There's nothing wrong with that. And you're going to be more productive because you're going to be spending less time drawing bullshit. Um, where the other way is if you're going to do fucking arms then say you're going to do arms. Um, it's like building choppers and not having time to do fucking mining oil changes for everyone who rides a chopper. Like, dude, I, I don't have time for your oil change. I love you, but it's bogging down my workload and I need to get these larger projects done. So that's, that's how I'm thinking of it. You know, not to say one way is good or one way is bad. This is my comfort zone. Um, I'm not good at walk-ins anymore, Joe. I just, I just, I'm just not, I'm not the salesman. The cold, I'd say the cold pitch salesman, the guy, the guy that can just like take someone and walk them through what it means to be tattooed, what it means to be um, forever, what, you know, yeah, why their ideas. Yeah. It takes time, man. Like you said, you know, if you, that guy that came in for that sleeve that you took you 10 hours to drop and two hours to tattoo and you got paid for two hours, you might have spent an hour talking him not necessarily talking him into but educating him on why the sleeve is going to be better than you know maybe what he wanted or what he came in with the idea like i said it's still or like you said it's still kind of 
encompasses his feeling and the idea that he wants to represent with this tattoo. But so you even have more time involved in in the client. And I found that being in a walk-in shop, it does. It is it is very time consuming these days to to educate people and clients and hopefully direct them in the right way to where they're getting the best quality work and the, you know, at the best price um, with the best experience. Right. And that's that man, that it's difficult when, you know, at the end of the day, you're throwing so much more on the project. Um, You're putting so much more energy and ideas and thought behind the project than they were. You know, a lot of times that can be very rewarding, though, when when it pays off that, you know, those sleeves and those big pieces can absolutely pay off in in a great piece of work. And, you know, you did the right thing by, you know, putting something on them that they're going to be happy with for a long time. And and I think sometimes it uh, putting that extra time into it is absolutely one. It's essential and it does make for a better product. And it's worth it in the long run because they think you've probably educated that person enough. If they're going for a full sleeve, you're probably going to do another sleeve, maybe a back piece, maybe a big thigh piece. And it's going to pan out in in the end because as you begin to develop your relationship with that client, they're going to be more in tune and maybe keen on what you're going to want to do, which is going to reduce that drawing time because it's something that maybe flows a little more naturally out of you. And, I think the whole experience can be much more positive. That's that's definitely the I don't know where you're at with things but but to me I think that's the bridger like once you start seeing the rewards of like wow that guy came in for these silly three tattoos and now he's got this half sleeve mm. I want to do more of that. And the more of that that I do the less like um baby mama on the neck that I'm like God, I really like there's situations for it. like if I'm out guest spotting somewhere um, and that's the way the shop rolls, it's fine because it's not my home. It's not my house mm-hmm. and nobody knows me from Adam. So it's it's easy just to just to get in there and grind. It's how I started tattooing. But when I'm at home, in my comfort zone and I've got a full day like right now, um, I'm actually booking three and four appointments a day, which is more of a workload than than I want. But it's it's still manageable. Um, I don't have time to have a guy bebop in off the street and go, Hey man, you got time to bang this out real quick. And you're going between prep, between the fact these guys already waited three months and everything else. I, I just don't have it. And how to do that in a way that you don't look like a pompous ass, you know, like, I'm sorry, I ain't got time for your little tattoo, you know? So what I end up doing a lot of times is I'll, I'll end up pulling all the blinds down and locking the door and making it look like we're closed just so people don't have that negative experience. Um, They'll, you know, if they, I do enjoy the referral into things, you know, when my, when, after you get a couple of those sleeves underway, the, 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 the people go, who did that? Oh, Matt did. How do I get a hold of them? And then they get a hold of me. They tell me who the reference is. And a lot of times the, you know, your client is the, um, is the amplifier for who you are. And we both know that when you brag about yourself, you kind of sound like a cocky jackass. There's a, there's a thin line between arrogance and confidence, you know? Um, so it's way, it's so, so much easier to stay away from sounding arrogant when you've done a consistent amount of good work that makes your heart feel good, makes your soul feel good. And then that comes, the client realizes it and then they can sell you. That's to me, it's, it's, it's so much nicer than the cold starts. Like, I don't know if you're mad. I don't even know what you do. Like I did a convention recently and 
I had people emailing me to set stuff up and um, two of them wanted tribal sleeves, which is fine. But in my head, the selfish part of my head's going, you haven't looked at one thing I really do. I, I don't, <laughs> where does it say that's my specialty, you know? And um, like, why me? I'm, I'm asking, like, I'm like, dude, I ended up telling one guy, go, hey man, I love you. And, and I know this is your first tattoo, but it takes a lot of fucking effort for me to pack everything up, get away from my family, drive all the way down here to do a tribal arm. And I'll do it for you, but are you open to, and then we ended up doing like a dope ass snake or something. Um, Cause it was more like the feeling he wanted, not the, um, he didn't really want tribal. He just wanted big and dark. So that's, you know, to him is with a limited vocabulary of, you know, visual, um, a limited visual vocabulary. He didn't know. So again, like you said, you walk them through it, you show them the light, you know, that shit does feel good. It feels bad when you, can't talk someone out of a really bad decision, but then it falls into rule number two. Every client gets a tattoo they deserve, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So fuck it. You know, you can't protect everyone from themselves. No, not at all. What's the, uh, what's the thing you miss most about 1990s tattooing and where do you think tattooing's going, man? <sighs> Things I miss the most. Um, I miss feeling like I fit in to the tattoo community. Um, I miss. Can you define the tattoo community? What? what well, I think back then, it, back then it was like only two tiers. You know, it was. It felt like there was either good tattooing or there was bad tattooing. You know, and then every once in a while, someone from one of those shitty shops would like realize that everything's wrong, and they would leave that shop and get into a good shop, and they like that was the crossover. I don't know if you remember that, but it was like it was like oh, they're either good or they're bad. Um, and uh, I was fortunate enough to start at a shop that was good. Uh, and my teachers were good, you know? And, uh, so, you know, I miss, um, every time I met someone, we were from another city, we had so many, um, things in common to talk about. Um, now I don't know why it's different, but now I don't feel that. Now I feel like when I see another tattooer, I'm less apt to actually tell you, hey, I'm Matt, and uh, I'm from St. Louis, and I tattoo too. More likely, I'm going to be like, ah, fuck, what is this conversation going to be like? You know, because um, I'm open, and I like talking to people. Um, and then you get that cocky kid who's been maybe tattooing for like four years, and you're like, fuck you, dude. You fucking little dick wipe. You know, you fucking, I've done more in the first two years of my career than you have in the last five or, I mean, that's what I'm thinking, but right. it, whether it's true or not, that's, that's my jumping. So what do I miss about the nineties? I, I, I miss, I miss feeling like I fit in. I think that would be the biggest one right now. Like right now I don't, I don't really feel like I fit into tattooing. Um, I feel like I, I'm, I, I don't know. I really don't know why, but I miss, um, I miss everything being so new and I kind of miss the, uh, um, I kind of miss the, the, the grimier, uh, hush, hush side of shit, you know, that, that feeling that we were doing something wrong, you know? Um, I remember when I started getting tattooed, it was kind of just to let people know that I don't want to talk to you, <laughs> you know, and, uh, kind of give me some distance. You know, I, I think I'm a little more healthier in my viewpoints nowadays, but it's kind of funny that like now you can be heavily tattooed and, 
some 40 year old lady will walk up to you and run her finger down your neck and go, Oh, that is cute. And you're like, it's not supposed to be cute. It's supposed to say, fuck you, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, it's been talked a lot about that whole difference in how tattoos at one point were made, were made and put on to, uh, separate you from a group. And these days, you know, they're made and put on to possibly include you into the group. Yeah. Dude, you hit the nail on the head. Do you remember, uh, you know, like talking about getting tattooed with your friends? And, uh, you know, if, if your friend went and got the tattoo that you'd mentioned you wanted, you almost were like not friends with them anymore. Like it almost was like you wanted to fucking hit them. You're like, dude, you know, that's what I fucking wanted, man. And they just happened to get the money together faster and go do it. And you were like, you fucking dick. That was my fucking idea, you know? Yeah. But nowadays, the same group of kids the same age range like whether it's like 18 to 25 or whatever with everyone who's like just in the beginnings of getting tattooed they go like hey did you get yours yet like it's totally normal to have everyone go get the same fucking tattoo like you look at people's hands like there's so many little bangers on people's hands that like 92 people all have like hey did you get yours yet you know and so it's become this weird like uh yeah it's no longer like uh like i'm different and more it's like hey accept me you know, I want the same tattoos as you. So, so if I get the same tattoos as you, let's be accepted. They're like concert t-shirts. Mm-hmm. You remember like having like a seven second shirt on and being on, on vacation with your parents or some shit. And then you see another punk rock kid that had like a dead milkman shirt on. You're like, yeah, you don't want to be on this vacation either. Do you dude? Later we're going to hang out. Me and you're going to be fucking friends. And you would take a punch for that guy that you met five minutes ago just because he had a dead milkman shirt on, you know, yeah. that's fucking gone, you know, for whatever reason. I, you know, I, I think, I think after a while we have to start wondering why it's gone and just go, it's gone. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know what? It's, it's something new and it's something new now that we can experience and it's a different environment. I think it's exciting to be in tattooing right now. And if you open yourself up to the experiences that you can have, whether you're a new tattooer or an old tattooer, um, you're going to be better off, I think, you know, and sure, you can have things that you keep in your daily repertoire that are for nostalgic reasons, for reasons that you just feel the quality is better, like making needles or, you know, um, I've definitely been uh, more conscious of the inks that I'm using and, and, you know, mixing my, my own pigments, not, not from powder, but from, you know, the, the tones and the different, uh, I mixed my own flesh the other day. I mixed the dark and the light greens and stuff like that with inks that I know I'm comfortable using that I know are, you know, not going to be, well, I guess, fuck it, man. We don't really know what the impact of, you know, inks are on people. I mean, no. you know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of these new ink companies have only been around for a decade. You yeah. Know, you can't find, you, you know, and other ink companies have only been around for, you know, let's say a hundred years, you know, 120 years, whatever it is since modernized tattooing has come to be. And it's changed a, li- a bit, you know, since they were using fucking, ma- you know, what were they using in the red fucking magnesium or some shit? Like, like I don't even fucking know, man, but it was, it's, it's a different game. And I think that people can be excited about some of those things that were in the past and be excited for the future. Um, where do you think the future is going with this big fucking ball? You know, I got a friend, his name's Ishmael. And, um, I know some of my fucking 
my ways of looking at shit are a little weird. And I know it's not like the common like way that people look at shit. And, and he's the first guy who like, uh, finished some of my sentences. Um, as far as like my weird way of thinking. Yeah. Um, and he tattoos out in Colorado. And I, I remember like, uh, one time I was sending out uh, Christmas cards, you know, this last year and I couldn't find his address, you know, everyone else I could find online, but I couldn't find his address. I ended up having to track his phone number down. And, uh, later I asked him, I said, dude, you know, I couldn't find shit about you or your address or anything. He goes, he goes, fuck no, man, I'm wrestling this shit back. And to me, I was like, really? I mean, I thought I was wrestling shit back by avoiding a lot of the people who were never going to get tattooed again, like, like filling all my days with um, oil changes instead of fucking choppers, you know? Um, I don't have a telephone, and we don't advertise, you know? And so it's a little difficult to get to me. I think that, for me, was enough. Dude, he don't even fucking push out where he's at. Like, you have to, like, know someone that knows someone to fucking find him. Um and he kills it, dude. Like he won't, you know, he doesn't, he publishes shit on, on Instagram, but we, we text most of our photos back and forth to each other. So when he says wrestling back, um, you know, he, he's trying to take back the core of the people who are doing it because like you said, it's, it's their life. It's, it's how they live. It's not something they're kind of like experimenting with. Like I'm going to get tattooed on Tuesday and on Friday, I'm going to be someone completely different. Um, but what he said was, and I, I kind of agree with this. I'll try to say it like he did. But there will be no more, there will be less tattoo artists who are coast to coast, like infamous for, for sometimes no other reason than maybe just being on TV or getting in the right book or getting enough press coverage or whatever the case may be. I don't really, nothing that's good or bad, but he said, what's going to happen is the way tattooing is growing is, is you got to remember, uh, like, like, like back in the day we were talking about each city had its two main shops. And there was a whole lot of mileage between St. Louis and Kansas City and Chicago. There wasn't a lot in between. Dude, all that's filling up now. There's like good artists in weird fucking towns, you know, and they're making a fine living, you know. So I think because of the density that tattooing has, um, as far as how many people are out there doing it and how many people are out there getting it, everything's going to become more regional. Um, you're going to have like this guy's known in the Midwest. Um, we're on the East coast. You don't even fucking have ever even heard of that dude. But you go to like St. Louis to Chicago and everyone knows who Omar is, you know, you might go to fucking Burbank and no one's ever heard that fucking guy's name before. So I think that's going to, you're going to see more of that. Where back in the day. It was really, if you understood who Guy Atchison was, and then if you understood who, um, I don't know, some of the other guys like Jack Rudy, you know, and, you would, Marcus Pacheco, you would throw those names around and you knew what uh, they were talking about, like like art history. Like if I said Monet, you'd think of fucking water lilies and shit. You know, if I said Gadgetson, you'd think of fucking weirdo fucking punk rock biomechanical shit, you know. So I think there's going to be less and less, um, I agree with him, that there's going to be less and less chances that you're going to be like this coast to coast guy and you're going to be more like just sit on in your area, not sit on your area, but. You, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, Absolutely. You're going to take care of there's less, even though things have gone more globally, you're going to have to connect to your, your region more. And it's going to be like there's so many tattooers tattooing nowadays and so many good tattooers that somebody has. It's a very good likely chance that they're not going to know somebody from this region because they're so enamored with these 10 tattooers over here yes. that, that was made very clear to me when I went down to LA and, and the, just the, 
the sheer amount of tattooers down there that are doing very similar work too, you know, black and gray or, you know, traditional or whatever it is. You have such a concentration of people doing such good work that, yeah, you got to become hood famous. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, <clears throat> definitely. I think I it's th- going to become more. Um, I had the uh, owners of Sullen on the podcast last week and um, Ryan Smith made uh, a comment that he believes that tattooing is going back more to the storytelling and it, it went through this period where, um, you know, people just used to come in and pick shit off the wall. And it was, you know, it meant something to them. But then the TV shows hit and it became all about the story. It became yes. all about why you were getting this and what it represented. And I think that turned a lot of people on to the idea that tattoos aren't just for visual impact. They're for, you know, marking meaningful moments in our lives. And that initiated some of the boom that's going on and i think now um then it went through a period where um people were like fuck all the meaning you know i want this skull because i want this skull and i want this snake because you know this or that and um some people rebelled against that but they were still really if you look at it they're getting a skull because they feel it makes them more badass so the meaning was still there but it was kind of cloaked under this idea that that was bad to have meaning behind your tattoos and i think it's coming back to the point where tattoos are meaningful they are marking you know these moments as we go along in this journey and i think it's going to get back to people coming in talking to their artists their artists connecting with them on a level of hey i i realize why you're doing this um my expertise can help you make the most impactful thing you know, most impactful tattoo for you, both visually and emotionally. And so I think that's one of the reasons why it is going to become, just like you said, you know, a little bit more hood, you know, it's going to be, I got to connect with these people around here. I got to make good tattoos for them based on their stories and their meaning, you know, that meaning. We're shaman. We're medicine men. We're, (laughs) we're the people who assign you your spirit animal. You know, we're not, you're not supposed to come to us and say, Hey, spirit master, I'm a fucking lion. And you go, no, you're not actually, you're a fucking rabbit, you know? (laughs) And so I think that, that whole idea of trusting your artist, like you get to that point when you've tattooed at least 8,000 people, you know, you can start seeing uh, the patterns that people have and where they're at in their lives and the dynamics that they have. And you start, you know, if you're responsible, you'll, you'll start to, um, like you said, lead them. Like, here's your story. And then you go, you know what? Everything you've said, this sounds like you. Mm-hmm. And you show them, like, check out, check, check this stuff out here. This is totally you, man. And they're like, wow, you're right. <laughs> yeah, Instead of leaving it up to them to be like, well, are you a butterfly or are you a cupid doll? You know what I mean? You yeah. like expand there's, on that imagery. Absolutely. I think it's, uh, there's so much out there that's subpar in the, in the way of imagery. And like you said earlier, you do have to, um, you know, the, a lot of clients don't have that visual vocabulary that, that we as visual artists that work every day in this trade have. And I think it's incumbent upon us to, to kind of lead them that way and, and do it in a nice way, man. You don't have to be an asshole anymore. You know, you don't have to be, um, gruff. You can do it in a way that's, that's, and maybe you won't even tattoo them. I had a girl that I turned away the other day because her idea was not, it just wasn't going to work the way that she had it in her head. And she was using images that 
I mean, she had meaning stacked on top of meaning on top of meaning. And I was like, we got to shim this down a little bit. Because one, you're, you know, you already have these three images that are supposed to represent these three things. And then you have these three other images that are supposed to rep this, represent the same three things. And it's, you know, she was dead set on it. And I was like, look, I can't tattoo you right now. You know, one, it's going to take me an incredible amount of work to try to narrow this down for you and get it to be something that you're going to like. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she wants to do it on a budget. She wants to do it right now, you know, on a walk-in basis. And it's just like, I, I can't do that. <laughs> like, I want to work with you and I want to make something for you that's going to really, again, be impactful. But you can't tie my one hand behind my back and expect me to do it with an eye patch on as well. I think that falls on. Yeah, I think that falls under the uh, wrestling tattooing back category. Yeah. You know, like a person like that, the fact that they don't have the patience to get something so meaningful, um, it, it totally uh, kills everything. Um, we were talking before about being regional. I, I couldn't stop thinking about Gladiator, you know, when he's like, win the mob and you'll win the hearts and all this other shit. And, you know, that's the ticket. Win the mob. Win the regional people or your hood, you know, hood. Win that over and you can do whatever the fuck you want. Mm -hmm. If you spend all your time in every other city in a new city every day, who the fuck are you winning over? They're followers of Instagram? Yeah, you know, you're going to create some envy, hey, but at the end of the day, what? what do you have? That's honestly though, Matt, that is, that might be some people's shop. That might be their, their storefront is Instagram and they're winning the mob in these particular places. They're winning their Instagram mob. And those yeah. people, when they are out in those areas, they're going to go get tattooed by them. And you're not going to have as big of a, you know, mob in, in each city, but you're going to have mobs everywhere you know like I, yeah i would say everywhere. that's definitely I, don't know. I think maybe it's because of my age and because instagram and a lot of social stuff came in later that i don't really understand the exact way to use them <laughs> because you know you get those people that are like tattooing for two years and you know they have a lot of they have big numbers and it's like what what does that mean well, i don't you know yeah, you and like you said there's some people that can do it they can put i'm gonna be in kansas city and next thing you know they're booked me, I just like I have clients in New York now, and so I can just put it real quick. I'm going to be in New York, and it gives people the opportunity to just email me real quick, or I'm going to be in New Mexico. But for me, I can't like go new places and put my name out there. No one's going to get fucking tattooed by me. I'm like to the point where I like, I just have to hit the same places over and over and over again: New Mexico, St. Louis, New York, and Europe. That's yeah, you know, and that's not a bad life, you know. No, it's not uh, at all, and it's just a different way of doing the same thing, you know, um, and. I, I think that's what it, I think that's what the internet one of the things that the internet is doing is it's redefining the way that we work and it's redefining the way that we travel and it's redefining the way that we build business and it uh did you just flip me off? No, I was wiping my eyes. Oh, okay, I thought you have that weird fucking you have that weird fucking glove on your hand for the Cinti. Oh shit. And yeah, I, yeah. I thought that was the wrong finger. I thought you flipped me off by you know inadvertently. <laughs> yeah, no, I was I was my I got my next to the uh, that monitor. I have my Cintiq that I draw, and I was yeah. working on shit before That's you called. Right. I didn't mind that you flipped yeah. me off. It was just no, like, I forget you know, I have it on. It looks really stupid when you're six foot three and you know two hundred eighty pounds, and you got this stupid fucking glove on. People so. are like, is that a new style driving glove? <laughs> 
remember those driving yeah, gloves? Hey, yo, you remember those driving gloves where like some of them had the cut off the cut off fingers and then the yeah. the, the um knuckle holes. holes. Sure holes. Tight. I had some of those yeah, when I was a kid. Warriors, come on, play <laughs> totally. Dude, yeah, I remember they were uh, they were like something like a hundred uh, tickets at the uh, roller skating rink when I was in fifth grade, and uh, I only got one of them. <laughs> <laughs> you remember? You remember roller rink limbo? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. shit, dude. Wasn't good at any of that stuff. You know you who know? I heard you know who I heard was like super into roller skating when he was younger? Who? Too short. Oh, I could see that. Yep. That's a that's an awesome thing to do. Hayward or somewhere down there was like uh one of the dudes from the shop knows about it. But yeah, too short was a maniac. Yeah, that was a real street thing to do to be out there <laughs> and being loud, you know, and yep. and fun. Yeah, look I bet I bet if we YouTubed Roller skating, 1970. You'll see a lot of like people who are mixing hip hop and roller skating. You know, yeah, totally. never. So I don't, I don't doubt it at all, man. Um, you're uh, speaking of roller skating and exercise. You're you still on this mad kick, man? To yeah, um, it uh, dude, it's to the point now where it's uh, you know you miss a couple of days and you you really feel depressed. And now you know I now I know I can get food hangovers. Have you ever gotten one of those before? Yeah, they like, fucking suck. You, um, you know, in Europe, you know, number one, like when I went back, God love Max. He's one of my best friends. But we hadn't seen each other in 12 years. And so I haven't drank in almost four or five years. And he like in Europe and Austria, he's like, it was, it was like, what are you talking about? I might as, you know, he's like, you're just not drinking today, right? Like tomorrow we can have some schnapps. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't drink anymore. And so... That was funny, but you know, I, what I did do is um, he kept saying you're on a holiday, so I kept eating like schnitzel and like fried food and shit, which I hadn't eaten in like six months. Whoa. And I was waking up over there and feeling, I was feeling it, you know. And yeah. so I, and on a weird way, I couldn't wait to get home. And I know that next time, I couldn't wait to get home for my diet. Um, but I know that next time I go over there, I found an apartment. Um, that's where I was at. I, I rented an apartment over there. So I'll get that apartment again next time. And next time I'll be more on top of getting my groceries mm. rather than always going and just eating like shit. Dude, there's so much good, crappy food to fucking <laughs> shout out on, you know? Dude, I'm but, uh, I know, man. I've been off it for like – I fucked off working out for like a week or a week and a half. And I got into it yesterday again and I did a <clears throat> workout and it was – it feels good, man. I, I really like it. But it's like I knew after a week and a half that getting back into it was going to be fucking hard. You know, that work, that first workout mm -hmm. is going to be ridiculous, and I'm just going to, you know, die. <laughs> but it's it feels better to go in, get a workout done, eat good, you know, and wake up the next morning, slam some water, get a protein shake, eat some, you know, whatever, that, that, you know, in, in the morning, and, and you feel nice. You feel good. You feel healthy and I miss it, but like I have not a backpack of bricks on you. Yeah, but I have a lack of self-discipline, so yeah, it's there's hard. there's um, a book that talks about habits, and and the idea is that habits don't die; they go dormant. <laughs> so you don't replace them; you just add a new habit. So when you're doing shit like um, you, you say you used to eat snacks all day long, let's pretend like that's one of our bad things we did. Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, well. <laughs> If you like start fucking with that and going, you know what? I'll have one snack a day. Next thing you know, you're having you're back up to twenty snacks a day because you've taken that habit and you've given it life again. <laughs> so then you gotta like make it dormant again, and that's yeah. yeah. But it's it's so funny how 
I had, I'd been doing the gym thing and I've been doing a treadmill and the uh, elliptical rather than being outside and running just because how things work. So I got another 5k coming up and I was like, God, I got to get out there and, and actually run outside before it's 5k. Pavement, yeah. Dude, I like, I felt like I could barely get a mile under my belt. We're like on the treadmill. I'm doing five miles. You get outside in the real world, you know, and that's, that's, that's those things now are kind of fun to me. Like, where am I at with my own, you know, with my own body and how well am I doing and shit? Yeah. Beating your personal best is, is awesome. And then when you like slip below it, you're like, I'm a fucking loser. I need to get back. That's how I was yesterday. I was just like, God damn it. I know I could do these burpees like faster before (laughs) shit felt horrible yeah uh what's um what 5k you got coming up um it's a local one a friend of mine passed away and he's got a a a kid um named miles and so appropriately enough it's called miles for miles and it benefits little miles and it um uh benefits uh you know there's not a whole lot of counsel centers for people to deal with grief within the family uh, for children, like when they lose their parents and stuff. So it's going to help in in that area as well. Is that that something we could uh, um, throw out the 50, 50 program that I do on the podcast? Totally, man. Okay. What's the, um, the way that works. If people are first time listening to the podcast or just refresh your memory on it, um, any donations that come through ogjoeswanson at gmail.com today, or, or I'm sorry, for this week of this show, um, PayPal that. Any donations that come in to support the show, I'll take 50% of those donations, and I'll donate them on behalf of Matt um, to to that charity, Miles for Miles. Yeah. So it's called Miles for Miles. People that are in the local area, um, this is going to be the first annual run in Fairview Heights. Um, it's to benefit Miles P. Brumfield. Uh, education fund and the heart links grief center. Um, and, uh, it's going to be, uh, in it's locally, it's, it's our, at our park. They call it long acre park. Um, so if you're interested, cool. you know, look, people locally know how to get a hold of me. If they want to come out and run with me, um, it'll be fun. You know, you get to add one more t-shirt to your, yeah. to your club. That's like the new thing. I don't know if you, if you know about the, the t-shirt thing and five K's, have you done any? I've done one like a long time ago. I don't so, really like running, but. Yeah, there's this cat that got me, um, you know, he's a, we used to be like fucking wannabe gangsters and shit back in the day, you know, running around street thugging. Right. And, uh, street thugging. you know, all that typical fucking shit, you know, yeah. and getting into trouble and fights and all that other shit. And, you know, he quit drinking before I did. And it was like, well, fuck, if he quit drinking, that was my mark. Like, as long as I wasn't as bad as him, I was doing okay. Then when he quit drinking, we, like, switched places. And yeah. I was like, I'm still being a shit. But long story short, you know, we have this history. And now he's a big runner and he hasn't drank in a long time. And um, we went and did our, my first 5K I did with him. He got me signed up for it. Well, I showed up and I had my fucking Go St. Louis shirt on. I got my fucking numbers on. And he didn't say nothing to me. He's cool about it. But after the race was over, we're sitting in his car and he goes, yo, dog. Like all gangster and shit. He's like, man, you got to earn that shirt, dog. Next time I don't want you to see you wearing that until after the race is over. <laughs> Oh shit, that's awesome. So now I know, you know, and uh That's like that's yeah. like five K etiquette, huh? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's like the OG shit, you know. Yeah. Like you tell people's first five K or the walkers because they're all wearing the shirt and the, the yeah. people who are seasoned, they're probably wearing like a different shirt, you know. Like another five K they've done. So now I'm like just trying to stack up five K shirts, you know. So that's oh, that's pretty shit. funny. It's that's like whatever. 
I like it. I like it. You know what? There's there's gangster OG gangster etiquette and everything, man. You know, yeah. so, some person yeah. within the, every little uh, group um, is gonna is gonna have some hard and fast rules. You met, better fucking live by. Yeah. Fuck yeah, yeah. 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 Well, shit, man. Matt, thanks for coming on, dude. I appreciate it. We went fifty something minutes, I think, or forty nine or something. Because yeah, I'm glad that worked out. Yeah, man. Well, this is good. This is uh, for those listening. This is being recorded on Tuesday, not Wednesday, motherfuckers. So yeah, what's up? Yeah, we try to keep try to keep you guys on your fucking toes. I probably won't uh, get it up up on the uh, the site till tomorrow, but that's um, fine. Which, if cool. you're listening, Thanks that's for today. Being flexible. Sorry, I sorry I screwed up tomorrow's schedule. You know what, man? You need to get your shit together. I know. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, I'm always hey, too so You fine. know what? You, you're just lucky. This is like morning time is my time, except Wednesdays. That's podcast time. Um, I, I book out ten to two every every Wednesday. But my wife had to leave this morning, so I was like solo style today, and uh, it was just me and the dogs and the cat who's banging on the door right here so but dude if, if for those of you who don't know how to get a hold of matt hodell matt hodell tell them for the uh, fourth time on the show how to get a hold okay. of you super simple i have a web page it's called www.matthodellhodeltattoo.com uh, i own a shop called ragtime tattoo with my buddy matt c and uh my instagram is at m l H O D E L. And, uh, yeah, that's the skinny. That's good, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. It's always a pleasure talking to you for, uh, anybody that does not know, you can find me on Instagram at OG Joe Swanson. You can always find, uh, the shows and YouTube clips on my website, the real Um, if you want to go directly to the blog and just listen to the shows and the clips, um, as they appear, it's blog.therealjoeswanson.com. Um, go check out uh, my merchandise store for my DVDs if you want to learn to paint. If you'd like to uh, learn a few little simple drawing formulas um, that are used in tattooing, you can check out that DVD as well. Um, I also have a, an original painting on there right now um, if you'd like for a pretty good fucking deal. So go check that shit out, and we will see you next time. I appreciate everybody listening, and uh, big things coming. I got... Um, who do I have coming on next week? It's Matt Hodell, and then it's Kay, uh, David Casey. Um, he's been on the show before. Bad motherfucker. I'm about to get a skull that he drew on my ribs from my boss man. Bow. And uh, it's going to it's gonna suck. When was the last time you were tattooed? I, I'm not going to end this <sighs> podcast quite yet. I just want to hear this story because I'm nervous as fuck about getting this thing, dude. It's well, you know, I've gotten a couple small bangers that the rules are. If it's more than five minutes, I'm fucking walking away. <laughs> Um, but, uh, there's a guy named Richie who's been tattooing in, uh, Queens since 1971, uh, Richie's tattoos. And, um, my friend, uh, Matt Vancura works there on Fridays. And so the last few times I went up to New York, I went up there and picked something off the wall and I've gotten two from him and it's, it's fucking rad. He's got good stories, but, um, you know, they're all under two hours. <laughs> I don't do that big shit no more. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping, I mean, this is going to be like a, a legitimate, like hand size, you know, like a good five, six, seven inches stretched out to fucking eight, probably when I'm, yeah. and it's right up in my like almost armpit rib style. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to be deep inside yeah. these beats, dude. Yeah. Deep inside. Yeah. Find your, I always, you know what? I always used to go get tattooed and it was more about the, like the social part of it. You know, I enjoyed talking to the tattooer, enjoyed 
this and that. I'm not there no more, dude. I want to I want to go away into into a zone where I don't think about it. <laughs> yeah, I got I got all these weird gaps. I just want uh, Matt to fucking fill them all up. Yeah, I don't even I don't even care what they are anymore. I just want the gaps filled up and then just be done with it and do two hours at a time. And yeah, fuck, exactly. I don't care anymore. Well, just like Matt and I go get tattooed two hours at a time by your local <laughs> tattooer. <laughs> And uh, thanks again for listening at OG Joe Swanson on Instagram, the real Hit my boy up, Matt Hodell, anytime when you're out in St. Louis or in Austria. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it, buddy. Later, Gator. All right.